Creativity alone just won't cut it. The C Word is a podcast about when creative meets business. You're in a place for designers who want a creative business in which they're valued. Great client relationships, work to be proud of, and the moolah to show for it. All with your sanity and creative mojo intact. Join me, Beck Hughes, your creative business cheer squad, for weekly chats to inspire and spur you into action. Let's challenge the BS, the shoulds, the fads and the FOMO and find what works for you. How do you stand out in a crowded industry? That's probably one of the most crucial questions for any business owner, not just designers. I think any person in business will ask themselves that question at some point. Surprisingly, the answer is not post more on social media, sorry, (laughs) to be the bearer of those bad tidings. Typically, when someone asks that question, the answer is brand. And you know, I believe in brand wholeheartedly. But brand is a big topic. And answering brand alone probably... I think oversimplifies the question and doesn't help you, the person, the business owner trying to stand out. It doesn't help you tackle the challenge in any meaningful way. So that's what today's podcast is about. Standing out specifically because, you know, I'm here for you, fellow designers, specifically standing out as a graphic or web designer. I think a good place to start on this is to look at what it is about brand as a whole, as a topic that results in standout. What do brands do to cut through the noise? What have successful brands done? What do we see as being the commonalities, if you like, between brands that are getting that standout? Well, a brand stands out by being distinctive. And you can do that in a few different ways, or you can do all these ways together and get even more standout, maybe. Maybe this is where the sum is worth more than the parts. So the first thing is innovation, bringing something completely new, or at least perceived to be new to the market. So UDI, Canva, innovation only works if it meets a need. And it makes something easier, reduces friction, solves a problem. Innovation takes an insight. So recognizing a problem or a need or a desire that someone might have and responding to it. And it suddenly brings simplicity and a sense of ease to that thing. So that's innovation. Then there's desirability. So making people believe that you will help them create the self-image they want for themselves. So think Frank Green. If you have got a tween to teenage daughter right now and you haven't been nagged for a Frank Green bottle, then where are you? Who are you? (laughs) And then another example of that might be Mecca. You know, they've got this real strong desirability around that brand. Another way that brands create standout is through relevance and relatability. So creating this deep and personal connection with someone and letting them know that you are just for them, that they can see themselves in your brand and they feel seen and they feel understood. And Henry, if you've come across this brand in Australia, is a great example of that. So it's financials, it's accountancy 
for freelancers, people like you and I. And through their positioning and their tone of voice, they ensure that that market, freelancers, freelance creatives, feel very seen and very understood. So they are very relatable to that audience. They use language and a tone that really connects with freelancers specifically. So in essence, they've picked a niche. And then the other way to create standout is through cut through, getting attention by being unique. So brands do this by doing what no one else is doing in their category or certainly by looking or behaving differently. So Frank is a health insurance brand here in Australia. And it's a really good example of this. So here we've got HCF, NIB, Bupa, and they all feel very corporate, very medical, very impersonal. And Frank is none of those things. Or another example might be Thank You, the Thank You brand. Now, personal care wasn't their first category, by the way, just out of interest. You might not know that the first category that they went into was bottled water. But they stopped selling bottled water this year, 2023. And they're really focusing on the personal care and home care categories. And personal care is the category that they got that cut through in. Because in a sea of vibrant and pastel coloured products, you know, we're thinking shower gels and bath products with loads of images of fruit splashing into fresh cool water or creamy body lotions, the simple black label really stood out. And as did the simple, honest language. So they had so much cut through in that category just by the way they looked and the way they spoke. Now, interestingly, Thank You have recently redesigned their labels, which I find an interesting move. And I'd be really interested to know their backstory and why they've done that, because they did have so much cut through in that category. So how does all of this, how does innovation, desirability, relevance and relatability and cut through translate into the design industry? How can we designers use some of those lessons to stand out in what is a very crowded market that can feel very commoditized with things like Creative Market, Canva and Fiverr, making design seem easy? So how can we get that cut through? How can we get that stand out? Well, let's take those points of distinction that I've talked about and see how we might be able to use them and apply them to us. So first off, innovation. Now, unless you're Melanie Perkins, you may not be gearing up to launch the next Canva or Adobe product, but that's okay. Because innovation doesn't have to come in the form of an iPod or a you know groundbreaking technological solution innovation is defined as a new idea product or method and i think one of the best ways for creatives to innovate in order to stand out is in their method there is magic in the method finding defining and packaging the approach you take to get results for your clients is a powerful way to get cut through. So working in bigger agencies in my past life, <laughs> let's say, 
their proprietary approach to brand strategy or to ideation or to the design process is one of the ways that those agencies set themselves apart. Many big agencies, global agencies, will talk about their model, you know, their brand onion or their brand square or their brand triangle or their brand star or whatever it might be. So they build this story and this ownability, this brand essentially, around their approach. And that in itself creates a perception of innovation. It's their way of doing it. So how we can use this as designers is to map out our own steps. Think about what you do and how you work with your clients. What is the process you go through? And don't assume It's how everyone does it either. There might be ways that you do things, ways of working with clients that are unique to you. You know, I found things that I do in my process around how I do a workshop or the process I take clients through. And it's easy to assume that everyone does that, but that's generally not the case, actually. So find the way that you do it, document it if you like, observe yourself working almost and then package it into a story and brand it. It's your equivalent of the Hewlett-Packard Intel inside, in a way. It's what makes your approach more impactful, more believable, more reliable in some ways, and powerful than anyone else's. Because when you package it up and you give it an identity, it suddenly takes on a life of its own, and it has this perception of value. And then when you've defined it and you've packaged it up, talk about it. Talk about it in your proposal document, in your content, on your website. Do workshops about it. Create PR around it. Become known for that process. So that for me is a great way to use the concept of innovation that brands in multiple different industries use and apply it to you in your industry, in the design industry. The next one I talked about was desirability. So like I said, this is making people believe that you can help them achieve the self-image they desire. And I've talked about self-image on the podcast before. So this is how you see yourself, how you want others to see you as well. So your ideal self-image. And that's something that's very powerful and very motivating for people. And I actually think this is central to a successful brand understanding the self-image that your audience wants and talking to that as a brand. It's kind of branding or brand, not branding, it's brand 101. It's brand strategy 101 because people are motivated and driven fundamentally by their ego, by their self-image. And it's one of the most important influences of choice in any decision-making process. From choosing a skincare brand to deciding what designer you'd like to work with, self-image plays a part. So if you want to be edgy and controversial, you will gravitate towards others who have that style in their own brand and in the brands they create for others. If you want to be kind and nurturing or intelligent and authoritative, you will look for a designer who is like that, who creates work like that, whose own brand projects that image. 
People are drawn to people that by association will say something about them. So if I don't want to be loud and bold and a challenger brand, I won't be drawn to designers like that. If I don't want to be earthy and humble and introverted as a brand, I won't be drawn to those designers who project those qualities. So taking a strong stand in your style, your design style, and your own brand style will create that desire in others who want themselves to build a similar self-image, who want that kind of brand for themselves. Now, I want to talk about design style just for a sec, because this is something I think that designers get a bit stuck on, particularly when I've worked with younger designers, designers perhaps more recently qualified as well, or people who are maybe changing careers and moving into design, they can get very hung up on having to establish what their design style is. And I don't think that's something you need to decide on straight off the bat. I think your design style is something that will evolve and it's different for everyone. And for some, it's a very, very specific and strong style. And for others, there are threads and nuances that create that style that may not be obvious. You may not be able to say they're just a typographic black and white style. That's everything that they do. Or they're a very illustrative style. So design style is different for every designer. But having a sense of your style through your own brand as well, and essentially deciding on the personality for your brand and for the style of work that you will create will make you much more desirable to the right kind of clients and will give you that cut through. If you're generic, I'm for everyone, then it's going to be much harder to get that standout, right? The other thing I talked about for brands across industries is that relevance and relatability, that sense that you are for me, I am for you. So the opportunity here for designers is having a clear niche. So this is different to design style. This is about the market or the industry or the type of client that you work for. And you are an expert in that area. So having a clear niche, letting a group of people know that you're for them and you're the expert in that area, like I said. And how deeply you delve into that niche is up to you. So for example, you're not just a web designer, you're a Shopify expert. Or you're not just a digital marketing agency, you're a digital marketing agency for lifestyle commerce brands. So you can see there where you go from generic to having that clear niche, being for someone in particular. And having that specific niche, that laser-focused niche, immediately contributes to positioning you as an expert. So you're not a web designer, you're a Shopify expert. You're an expert in that specific platform. Immediately, if I'm looking for a Shopify website, and I'm looking at lots of different designers, and they all do different types of websites, but you do Shopify then I'm immediately drawn to you. You have that standout. So that's where your niche comes into play. It sets you apart. It makes you that big fish in a small pond. So this is the difference between being a graphic designer who designs anything, stuff for anyone who wants it. Because when you're that kind of designer, when you do anything for anyone, 
ultimately your client's decision comes down to price. They're just comparing you to lots of different designers. They have no sense of your expertise and therefore they will compare you on price to other designers who are equally as generic. So it's the difference between being that generic designer to being the graphic designer who designs strategic brands that challenge the status quo in professional service industries. That's a niche. I'm not saying that's your niche. That's kind of my niche, actually. By picking and zeroing in on that specific area that you want to talk to, that you feel like you can be an expert in, helps people decide, are we a good fit or not? Are you the expert or the generalist? So when it comes to relevance and relatability, it's about sending some clear signals to your audience that you are for them, that you are a more believable expert in the area that's specific to them. And then the other area I spoke about was cut through. So getting attention by being unique in your industry. We talked about Frank, a playful, fun, approachable brand in the health insurance industry, which is generally pretty corporate and pretty bland. So how does that apply to you as a designer? Well, what makes you more unique than anything else is you. I know it's a cliche, you know, be you, be unique. There's a lot of messaging around that, but sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. And that's a cliche because it's true. So the unique combination of how you act, how you speak, how you behave, how you make people feel. That's an important one. What you love, what you're into, your stories, your unique circumstances, all of those things combined are what set you apart. And for designers or any professional services provider, this is creating your personal brand, different to your business brand. So the business brand you create that's built around your your business style and your design style is something that complements this and sits alongside it but your personal brand is about building a picture of you and who you are and people look for values and qualities in others that they resonate with and they feel aligned to so they gravitate towards people who make them feel good who make them feel seen who they feel are like them that have those shared values and beliefs so if you're the designer who never shows your face, who writes generic copy that doesn't use the language and tone of you, the jokes, the words, the phrases, the sayings, the examples that you'd use at a barbecue, who is reluctant to share an opinion or a point of view just in case someone disagrees with you, or who feels like, who's going to want to see, hear or get to know me? Who am I? You know, Who who wants to hear more about me? I don't want to be that self-indulgent. If that in any way is you, then this kind of cut through is for you because this is an opportunity. It is by far the best way to stand out. And you won't be a fit for everyone, but you will be a perfect fit for someone, more than someone, (laughs) for several people, more than several people. And a personal brand is not Beck Hughes. I didn't create a personal brand by putting Beck Hughes on my Instagram profile and using that for my logo on my website and using that beckhughes.com, right? That's not a personal brand. A personal brand isn't popping the odd photo of you on your feed or 
even talking on a reel, actually. It's not three facts you didn't know about me. If it's not a version of you that I can create a human connection with, feel drawn to, it's not a personal brand. Personal brand isn't just your face on a tile, your, you know, stiffly delivered three points on a reel, your name as a logo and as your domain name for your website. That's not a personal brand. A great personal brand means that when you meet me, if you've engaged with me through my brand, on my socials, on my website, through this podcast, or in any other way that I show up, that you will feel like you already know me in some way. Because I let you in and I shared a bit of me, not my innermost personal secrets or vital statistics, but a bit about who I am as a person, what I'm like, so that when you meet me, you feel that sense of continuity. You go, yeah, that's what I was expecting from Becky. That's what she talks like. That's what she was like in real life, in inverted commas. That's creating a personal brand. And creating a personal brand isn't giving all of you. I just want to reassure you of that. Very often when someone's reluctant to create a personal brand, the first thing they'll say is, oh, but I don't feel comfortable sharing things about myself. I don't want people to know about my friends or my family or where I live. And that's not what a personal brand is. You give as much and you show as much as you feel comfortable with. But sharing a bit about who you are and what you're like and even just sharing your voice and sharing your opinions... That's letting people in, but you don't have to give everything up about yourself. You don't have to be that vulnerable. But showing people who you are, what you're like, what it's like to be around you, letting them know, ultimately this is about letting them know how working with you will make them feel, what it's going to be like to buddy up with you for a little while, to create a brand or create some design work or build a website. That gives you cut through. That helps you stand out because they can see you and that you-ness, those bits about you all added up together is a unique combination. That's something that's unique to you. And like I said, it won't be for everyone. But when someone looks at all those unique combinations of all the people they're considering, one of those unique combinations will appeal to them the most. And if you show yourself, then... If it's the right person for you, then it will connect with them. So to recap, if you feel like you're struggling to be seen and heard, the answer is not to keep posting more and more on socials. And I know it sounds, I do often talk about this, and I know that it sounds like I'm a bit anti that, a bit anti-socials, but I'm not, I'm not at all. I just want the effort that you put into something like content creation and socials and marketing to be worth it. And when it's not supported by building a standout profile, a standout brand, then it won't be as fruitful. Like if you feel like you're shouting into an empty room, if you feel like you're pushing SHIT uphill, if you feel like you're posting and no one can hear you and no one's responding then this is the opportunity. This is potentially what's missing in a way. You need to put some work in behind that to build the brand. The opportunities to stand out are innovation, 
the magic in the method. Desirability, so crafting a brand and a design style that ignites people with excitement, that gets them engaged, that makes them believe that you're going to fuel that ego that is driving and motivating them. It's about building relevance and relatability with a clear niche so that people know that you are for them, that you are the expert that they are looking for. And then there's cut through, which is basically you, being more you. Sorry, cliche, but it's true. (laughs) Are you being you enough? Are you visible? And when I say visible, I don't mean are you popping up in your stories every day or showing your face on your feed. What I mean is, can I get a true sense of the you behind the brand? Now, having said all of this, there's no point in having a compelling and innovative approach, a desirable brand and design style, a laser-focused niche or a magnetic personal brand if no one knows about it. (laughs) To stand out, you need to be seen and heard in the first place. Otherwise, you are, again, just shouting into the void. So that's what I'm going to tackle in the next podcast. How can you be seen and heard in order to reach more potential clients? So you build the standout brand, but then you've got to get that out into the world, right? You've got to have it seen and heard. If this has inspired you and that piques your interest to hear more, follow this podcast. You can do that. I won't try and give you instructions, but you can follow the podcast and then you'll get notified when new episodes are released. Or you can join my list at beckhughes.com forward slash podcast dash subscription or podcast hyphen subscription, whatever you want to say. And I'll let you know whenever a new podcast drops. So that's the next episode, taking this standout brand that you're starting to create, where you set yourself apart in your industry, but then moving on to start to be seen and heard with that brand. Because you've got to do the both, haven't you? You've got to create the standout, but then you've got to make sure that you put your head above the parapet and you get seen. So as always, my lovely, have an amazing day. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for lending me your ears. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week wherever you are. And I can't wait to chat to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, head on over to my website at beckhughes.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at Beck Hughes Branding. And if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Penguin Music on Pixabay.